Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's podcast, Insights. This series celebrates the experiences and perspectives of ASHP's diverse membership and examines the leadership and practice journeys of our members. This series also explores how to integrate considerations for diversity, equity, and inclusion into their pharmacy practice. My name is Dr. Tiffany Wingfield, and I am the Director of Member Relations for the ASHP Leadership Center. I will be your host today. Today's discussion is part two of a two-part series on the role of pharmacy in addressing health disparities in underserved populations. And I have the pleasure of speaking again with Dr. Vivian Bradley-Johnson, Senior Vice President of Clinical Services at Parkland Health and ASHP board member, as well as Dr. Sebastian Hamilton, Chief Pharmacy Officer for Operations and Community and Ambulatory Partnerships, PGY-1 and PGY-2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership and Residency Program Director at Boston Medical Center. Dr. Sebastian is also a professional member of the Massachusetts Board of Registration and Pharmacy. Welcome back. Speaking on leadership, you touched it a little bit, uh, Dr. Hamilton, but shifting our focus specifically to leadership and specifically within the realm of pharmacy and your organizations and your communities. As you both are top level pharmacy executives in your respective organizations, and we'll start with you, Dr. Johnson, I want to ask you, what do you believe are the essential steps to tackle health disparities and achieve enhanced health and wellness goals in underserved communities? Yes, thank you. First, I want to say um, thank you to Dr. Hamilton uh, just to hear what um, hear him talk about how he uh, advocates, how he speaks up, and how he's actually training others that are following him to do that as well. When you see something that is not right, that you speak up. And so uh, here at Parkland, uh, we are focusing as a part of our strategic priorities. Health equity is one of our strategic priorities. So we are intentionally, uh, you know, the the population we serve, we're intentionally going into those communities and actually uh, hiring from those communities because we, just as Dr. Hamilton stated, uh, patients want to see leaders and providers, healthcare providers that look like them, okay? Uh, You're absolutely right, Dr. Hamilton, during the COVID period, there was a lot of hesitancy. And so we had to actually get more people out educating. Um, I even came out educating at that point, you know, doing um, in-services in the community just so that our community would feel comfortable. But I think as a top leader um, in pharmacy, we need to do more engaging and getting out in the community. Uh, yes, we're within the health system, but we must go into communities and establish patient family advisory councils or committees to get feedback from our patients. Also um, establish and work with the organizations to develop uh, community advisory boards where you know you have leaders within the community that can help you. For example, I always say Parkland Health, we can't do it alone. We have to actually engage with the community and get them to help us to to actually know 
what their needs are. And Dr. Hamilton talked about being culturally competent. We are trying to do that as well, but our patients are going to help us in order to achieve that. So I, um, I think it is very important about um, getting with the community. The other thing that I want to say is important is really as a top leader, we should be advocating for programs such as the 340B uh, programs in our organizations. Again, if we did not have the 340B programs, we would not be able to offer all of the services that we're providing now. So it is critical to our ability to be able to help reduce the healthcare disparities that we have. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you so much. Dr. Hamilton, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a lot, but when I when I think about depending on how you want to approach it, you know, you can do it from a couple of ways. Uh, and I'm more of a top-down type person. Oh, because usually if you can get buy-in and support and alignment from the head of the organization, it then permeates throughout. So I'm going to speak from that vantage point. Um, our predecessor president, uh, Kate Walsh, amazing when it came to understanding this. And again, she came from a background that didn't experience any healthcare disparities, but she totally got it. So we had programs, we had an intentionality again towards creating Dr. Thea James Health Equity, because she's a VP of mission, that we can now begin to build that community credible representation that Boston Medical Center isn't just this big behemoth in the community, that we're actually a partner in the community long again before COVID. And so that happened because, again, she had that vision. She totally got it. Um, she has since moved to the state. And now we have uh, another president who I knew before he became a president, and he absolutely gets it. Um, I remember having conversations with him um, saying that the simple fact that if you live in one zip code, your life expectancy is 50 and if you go less than two miles from that zip code to one of the most expensive zip codes in the country, your life expectancy increased by 30 years. And he pretty much said, that's BS. We need to do something about that. So again, totally get it. So to tackle healthcare disparities, you got to have buy-in from the top and then it permeates throughout the organization. And then your mission, as Dr. Johnson mission, aligns with that. And there's, there, there's metrics and, and goals and accountability to move those things. You just can't have it on your web page or, you know, the sound bite of the month. Uh-uh. That, 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 that's great. But quantitatively, show me how are you moving the needle in this space, which is kind of what we are constantly doing. And then using the data to really guide not only where do you start, but more importantly, how you continue or pivot as needed, depending on the situation. As you said, we can do diabetes now, but another pandemic hit, I can guarantee you, the focus will shift towards being resourceful in that space. And so once you have that, that mission, that strategy, that, that idea of being able to tackle this, and what I like about it, again, here at this organization, and it's more than just a, a, a tactical approach, it's a strategic approach. You know, there are you know, arguably the, the best um, education, secondary education uh, organizations and universities are here in Boston, right? You know, you got MIT, you got Harvard, BU. I mean, I go down a list. Um, arguably, this is the best place to be in the world when it comes to education. 
Some of that, those individuals, Harvard Business School trained individual and our CEO uh, president is from McKinsey and Company. When you have that kind of thought to tackle healthcare disparities, I feel more confident that we can actually make a dent in the space than just not having individuals. Because I will tell you the way that uh, the, the problems are identified, quantified, and strategically implemented and then quantitatively measured along the way is something I've never seen before to this degree at Boston Medical Center. Again, because they're applying Harvard Business School trained um, strategies, McKinsey and company strategies, and those yield results, quantitative, and not just results for the patient, but results for organizations who don't understand this space because they can speak that language to make them understand why you need to invest so much dollars towards uh, mother-baby initiatives, uh, single parents, and, and why women of color are high risk of uh, high blood pressure during pregnancy than any other high-risk group and why you need to attack it. And not that just say that's the issue, but here's systemically and delineated why. And then those who have the power to really help with this change and become a friend in the space can digest and consume that information in a language they understand and now begin to move the needle. And so that's, again, something that when you talk about healthcare disparities, you have to look at the systemic uh, uh, dynamic and then know how to work within that that, that organization or that, that ecosystem, if you will. Dr. Johnson, do you want to add something? No, I just want to, I mean, you you just piqued me my, my, I mean, I want to share something else that we are doing here at Parkland, as you stated, uh, we have to also be accountable as, as top pharmacy executives, and a part of the leadership team, we have to be accountable to our community with providing information back to them on how we're doing at achieving these goals. Here at Parkland, we are um, we, we are involved in doing a community needs assessment, uh, healthcare needs assessment every three years. And so based off of that uh, assessment, that we're working with the county to determine what are the areas of focus for uh, the community. Just as you stated, I mean, it may change. So every three years we're doing it and we're tracking, providing information on how well we are doing with meeting the goals that we've established as a, a county. So I, I totally agree with, with the comments that you made. And that's the key, Dr. Johnson, the data. The data really needs to measure the right data points, the right quantitative outcomes, and then longitudinally, how does that track towards the goal? And, and without that data and without those, those think tank individuals, you know, you could struggle in this space. Like I know a lot of people say, okay, healthcare disparities, what is it? How does it look? And they have some good thought and some good theories. And again, it's a very complex topic and they tackle that well. But then how do you embark on trying to I see them kind of stagger out of the gate a, a, a bit, and, and understandably, because again, it's a very complex, multifaceted situation. And so, not saying we do it perfectly here, but I do see us being able to unpack it in a little bit more strategic way that then yields an outcome that you can quantitatively point to and say, we moved this needle from X to Y, and this is the next steps and what we need for additional support. And, and, and like you said, Dr. Johnson, that's key in how do you tackle healthcare disparities. You can't just go at it haphazardly and not have data to back it up and not be accountable. And because those things aren't sustainable. 
And more importantly, you don't get funding for those things. So being able to have it quantified and being able to report back on any cadence that is required really yields some great dividends and moves healthcare disparities in a positive direction. And I think you guys have done a great job. I also want our healthcare leaders uh, in pharmacy to know that, uh, again, they should be a part of that. And no, we may not be how Boston is. We, you may not be where Parkland Health is, but you can do something. You can start making some uh, strides toward actually helping to reduce these disparities. From a, from a pharmacy perspective. So I think, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with your comments. Absolutely. I agree with both of you. Thank you so much for those profound viewpoints. Um, as we wrap up today's discussion, I wanted to ask a similar question. We talked about top level executives, what should be their priorities? Um, what are your thoughts are the key priorities for specifically health systems? and health system pharmacies in addressing these disparities and striving towards enhanced health and wellness in underserved communities. What is required to achieve these goals? Let's start with you, Dr. Hamilton. Thank you, Dr. Wayne. I think a key priority, again, which when you speak to the pharmacists, is to have an understanding of the space, to have a genuine willingness to support and help in the space. I recall I did a, a, a talk at a conference here in Boston for infectious disease pharmacists around developing a diverse workforce. And, you know, it was about 700 people, obviously very different dynamic overall as far as uh, demographics. But I remember a pharmacist standing up and he was a Caucasian male and his heart was in the right place. And this is what he said. He said, how does someone like me support this initiative with my teams so that we can become more country competent, be able to properly our patients, things of that nature, but I don't look like the patients? And I immediately said, what transcends color is your heart. If your heart is in the right place, trust me, that will resonate well with the patient. And more importantly, it will resonate well with your team. If your heart is pure in this space and you really want to help move and support, speak from the heart, and trust me when I tell you, that will resonate just as well as a person of color speaking to your pharmacy team member, because you don't have to be an underrepresented minority to be an ally in this space. In fact, I argue that there is no movement in this space unless we have these allies in this space, because historically and systemically, they're the ones who hold the reins on this um, healthcare environment. And, and that's totally fine, but we need their allyship. We need their support to speak out on healthcare uh, for their pharmacists to be more culturally competent. This is what it means. This is how we get into the communities and understand and have a curiosity, acquisitive mind, ask questions. I always say, just ask. If a patient comes in and they say, I didn't want to come in this day because of the following, don't just gloss over it. Ask them why. They may say something as simple as, well, I don't like the way you approach me. I don't like the way you address me. I think you're dismissive of it. You'd be surprised what you hear, but you have to be inquisitive organically and genuinely, and you will find the answer to the questions you seek. And so I think that's a key priority for health system pharmacies by having every member of a clinician, clinical pharmacist team to really 
uh, really just ask questions and just be a friend in the space, no matter what your race and what your background is. Uh, we need health system pharmacies and pharmacists to be able to resonate with our patients to even begin to look at what the healthcare disparity improvement looks like. And so that's kind of my thoughts. And I always leave from the top down and it starts with leadership as well. So hopefully we have other leaders who are, you know, non-underrepresented minorities, but however, they're an ally in this space. Believe me, your work, your effort is just as valuable, if not more than anyone else in this space. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, Dr. Johnson? I'm going to go back to, again, um, pharmacy leadership must be a part of the strategic planning of the organization. I mean, pharmacy uh, has can help in so many ways in helping to um, reduce these disparities. Uh, most often, medication therapy is a part of improving healthcare uh, outcomes. So, I think a pharmacist can contribute as physician extenders, as educators, as therapy experts. And so, again, if you're not a part of the strategic planning for your organization, you should ask, you should seek to get to be a part of it. Uh, secondly, expand. Uh, you should also increase your presence, as I stated earlier, in the community and advocate for uh, medical services and pharmacy services in the underserved and underinsured uh, communities. Also, the, the thing that I would ask is that you also get more involved with schools within the communities. I'm saying um, at the high school level, even at the, um, maybe the elementary, we need to begin exposing our young people to these professions so that they can also either go into a career, a medical career that would be able to help uh, impact the healthcare disparities or be able to provide information to their families so that, you know, it's important that you get your medications, mom. It's important that you do this, grandmother. So that they would also be uh, well-informed, how can I say, uh, caretakers for their families as well. Also, I think it's important that as uh, pharmacy leaders that we are involved in our local, state, and national uh, organizations, associations, so that we would be able to make sure that our voices are being heard around uh, what we can contribute to helping with reducing disparities. You know, I'd I like to go back to a point Dr. Johnson made, and, and it kind of is very profound, very profound on how do you tackle healthcare disparities. Because it's multifaceted, you have to tackle it in multiple ways. And, and she touched on getting our young underrepresented minorities involved in healthcare earlier in their education. So key because when you are a provider of healthcare versus a constant recipient, your paradigm changes. There's a paradigm shift to where you become more evidence-based, more knowledge hungry, more tactical in your decision-making because it's a training process. You are trained to think in a critical way, an evidence-based way. I mean, we as pharmacists are trained in evidence-based medicine, every healthcare provider is. So exposing a young individual to that as well, now they start to challenge when someone says, if you take the COVID vaccine, you can get pregnant. They're probably saying, mm, that's probably not true. 
And let me tell you why it's not true. Or I don't believe that's true, but let me put you in touch with someone I work with who can help clarify the question. And that over time, through generational education and exposure, you will get some improvement in healthcare disparities to where the lift to have underrepresented minorities have an uptake of the COVID vaccine is not as hard, if you will, but it only comes over time and by exposure. And so I kind of love what she said around exposing underrepresented minorities in general to healthcare and early on in their educational career, because it is so key to be able to have an ambassador go back into their household, into their community and say, actually, no, I work at you know, this health system. And they're very intentional around making sure people get the vaccine. Oh, no, you can go right here and get the vaccine. You don't have to pay or do anything. They can really remove all those inherent, intentional and unintentional barriers that were provided. And I think that is just so key. So it's just one more strategy to really try to tackle healthcare disparities. Well, thank you so much, both of you. You both shared like just invaluable information and nuggets that I know our listeners will appreciate and be able to take forth in their hospitals and health systems. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you for listening to part two of our two-part series on the role of pharmacy in addressing health disparities in underserved populations. A special thank you to our guests, Dr. Vivian Johnson and Dr. Sebastian Hamilton for joining us again. Before we go, I wanted to share some resources that ASHP has developed surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion. Be sure to visit the Inclusion Center at www.ashp.dei. This resource showcases our longstanding commitment to nurturing the principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the pharmacy community and is a home for our vast collection of resources featuring real-world scenarios best practices, and actionable steps pharmacists and others can use in their own practices to recognize and combat biases and disparities in care. Included are activities to promote self-awareness and practice tools designed to transform awareness into action. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.